again and welcome to Truthfully Awkward, the show where we discuss topics of today and filter them through the Word of God. I am Jesse, and my beautiful co-host Leah is also here with me today. Howdy, y'all. To discuss this super relevant topic. And before we get into that, I wanted to clear, I wanted to clear up something that I have been hearing a lot about just around the interwebs and even personally with Leah and I. I wanna define what legalism is. Whenever you or I, meaning anyone, step out and call a spade a spade, I've noticed the first thing people say is, you are legalistic, you are a Pharisee. And so I wanted to clear that up. The basic definition of legalism from Merriam-Webster is strict, literal, or excessive conformity to the law or to a religious moral code, the institutionalized legalism that restricts free choice. So that's the Merriam-Webster's definition. And, you know, being legalistic is when you put your faith and your trust in being saved by the law. Jesus is who saves us, and we're obeying the law because we ought to obey. That is not legalism. It is obedience. Legalism is adding to what Jesus did on the cross. And what we do here is call out heresy in order to make our fellow brothers and sisters aware, like no matter their walk and where they are in their relationship with the Lord. I know that I hope and pray that we encourage you to look for yourselves in scripture and to test all things through scripture. Um, I also pray that you know that God's grace is sufficient for you, that even if you were tricked by this or deceived, that you know God loves you and that we all fail. I did so many times. I still do daily. And I also am not perfect. That's why we need Jesus. And that is the whole point. We need Jesus because we all fall short. And if you want to know more about legalism, I have added some resources. And like in the references section of this podcast. And with that being said, today we are going to talk about the Enneagram. And let me tell you, (laughs) I thought I knew a lot about it, but researching for this episode, I was wrong. And I know Leah and I are humbled and honestly shocked and also not shocked the way things have been going, but that this has been allowed to be in the church at all. And I want to remind you again, as a disclaimer, that we're coming from a place of love. I know people who are currently in this deception, and I know for me, I have been praying as we have done research on this topic because it's disturbing and also in a righteous way, infuriating. So with that, I have a verse for you, and it's Colossians 2.8, and see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. But to start things off, Leah, can you try <laughs> to define the Enneagram? And Leah's yeah. done a fantastic job writing this out for you guys. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I, I, I can definitely try, but um, yeah. wow. It's a lot. So in order to define the Enneagram, I think that's going to take some work. And it's this whole podcast is going to be defining it. As we go in depth, we're going to just start right here with what the Enneagram is. The Enneagram of personality, or simply the Enneagram, is a model of the human psyche, which is principally understood and taught as a typology of nine 
interconnected personality types. Although the origin and history of many of the ideas and theories associated with the Enneagram of personality are a matter of dispute, contemporary Enneagram theories are principally derived from the teachings of the Bolivian psycho-spiritual teacher, Oscar Achazo, from the 1950s, and the Chilean psychiatrist Claudio Naranjo from the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Naranjo's theories were also influenced by some earlier teachings about personality by George Gurdjieff and the Fourth Way tradition. So out of all of the different things that I have researched, this is the only one that seems to as have stuck as there's actually um, a source to back up the history and line of this. Yeah. As a typology, the Enneagram defines nine personality types, sometimes called enneotypes, which are represented by the points of a geometric figure called an enneagram, which indicate connections between the types. There are some different schools of thought among enneagram teachers, and their understandings are not always in agreement. Which you know, that's not new. Yeah, everything's that way. Yeah, nothing's new under the sun. all the same (laughs) the enneagram of personality has been widely promoted in both business management and spirituality contexts through seminars conferences books magazines and dvds in business contexts it's generally used as a typology to gain insights into workplace interpersonal dynamics in spirituality it is a more commonly presented as a path to higher states of being, essence, and enlightenment, which to me sounds a little bit new age or Hindu. Yeah, you know, it is. I mean, it's all all the spiritual stuff that go behind all of these things. It's the same thing. It's just a different label. So both contexts say it can aid in self-awareness, self-understanding, and self-development. Very self-focused. Yes. There has been limited formal psychometric analysis of the Enneagram and the peer-reviewed research that has been done has not been widely accepted within the relevant academic communities. Though the Enneagram integrates concepts generally accepted in a theory of personality, it has been dismissed as pseudoscience by some personality assessment experts and called pseudoscientific at best. So it's been peer-reviewed and not passed the requirements to be a valid psychological test. Experts say it's not a personality test, Mm -hmm. and it sounds more like a tool to enlighten your consciousness. It totally does, yeah. So they mentioned the fourth-way tradition, which is an approach to self-development developed by George Gurdjieff over years of travel in the East. It combines and harmonizes what he saw as three established traditional ways or schools, those of the mind, the emotions, and the body. Um, Or, you know, he learned from monks, Muslim Sufis, and yogis. Students often refer to the fourth way as the work, work on oneself or the system. Mm -hmm. The exact origins of some of Gurdjieff's teachings are unknown, but various sources have been suggested. So they take different mystics and put their philosophies together to create a system to enlighten yourself. Which again is the same as a lot of other things. 
I mean, you could think it could be worse because you're taking all of it, uh, <laughs> all of these different bad ideas and putting them together. Yeah. So the history of the Enneagram or how it came about is super important to understanding the problems with the Enneagram. Yeah. The origins and historical development of the Enneagram of personality are matters of dispute, which they're not that badly disputed as they say. Yeah. Waltz and Palmer have suggested that similar ideas to the Enneagram of personality are found in the work of, I think his name is Avagrius Ponticus, Mm -hmm. a Christian mystic who lived in fourth century Alexandria. Evagrius identified eight uh, deadly thoughts, I will say, because I can't Mm -hmm. say that word, (laughs) (laughs) plus an overarching thought he called love of self. Mm. Evagrius wrote, the first thought of all is that that of love of self. After this come the eight. In addition to identifying eight deadly thoughts, Evagrius also identified eight remedies to these thoughts. Which, when you look into this, it yeah. does not equate to the Enneagram. It, it doesn't have to do with personality types. Yeah. And when you look into the history, there isn't linked connections to where the Enneagram came from. To me, it shows more of like how it is a deception because of all the different things that are put into it. And they're like, you know, it's just sneaky. It's just very sneaky how this all. Yep. Is- Either way totally Mm -hmm. not biblical yeah it's not and there's lots of self and just it's very sketchy because like you said they're just like oh yeah there's all this like argument about it but it's it's not as disputed (laughs) because if like even um the psychologist as it was a psychotherapist or the psychologist even if they like don't approve of anything it's like the enneagram that we have now is not what the enneagram was yeah well, and they say it's it's disputed, but when you look, if I can find a direct link between the people to get yeah. here, it's not as disputed as, it's I mean, not. I don't know what the dispute is. There's, I know, what is the dispute? Because it, I mean, you can look up these people and it's a direct line. It's kind of like looking at a family tree of the Enneagram. Yeah. <laughs> like this person got ideas from this person, got ideas from this person, you know. Most people believe that George Gurdjieff, who was a mystic, is credited with making the word Enneagon and the Enneagon figure commonly known. He didn't, however, develop the nine personality types associated with the Enneagram. Gurdjieff said he used the Enneagon as a tool to explain the universe. He said you could put anything into the Enneagon and explain it like an occult tool. Yeah, Because he was a mystic and learned from the Muslim Sufis and yogis and such. Gurdjieff had a follower named Peter Uspensky, who quickly became a student of Gurdjieff. He was a mystic who was also into the occult. You'll see a pattern with that. Yeah. He said when Uspensky met George Gurdjieff and was introduced to the fourth way, he realized that the barrier towards knowledge lay in oneself that one couldn't find the truth without simultaneously laboring to become the truth. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That line gave me chills when I read it because for me, 
that is what (laughs) yeah well yeah and that's what's going on in the world yeah looking to self for truth when the only source of source of truth is god Mm -hmm. you know jesus is the truth so to say you have to become truth gives me a check in my spirit for sure yes and this is the essence of what richard Rohr teaches and so many others yep god lives in all and you are god yep because you are truth Mm-hmm. Yep. So Uspensky actually thought that he could in time be able to penetrate a higher dimension and see past, present, and future all at the same time. He became enthralled with Gurdjieff and started writing about him. He wrote all of Gurdjieff's studies down. Mm-hmm. And um, a quote from him says, I studied occult literature, did all sorts of psychological experiments with yogi and magical methods. That's a quote from him. Yeah, that's so like that's... straight out of the horse's mouth. <laughs> yeah. And another thing is like he believed too that the most like the oldest um the oldest enlightenment could be found in the East. That's why he went to the Middle East because he believed that their knowledge of the universe and all their different beliefs were in, it was in the East. So that's why with the yogis and all those people. And I just wanted to mention something kind of sad about this. Like both of these men were eagerly seeking after truth and wisdom. And Spensky like mentions feeling like he is barred off at all times and not living in reality, which is super weird. (laughs) It's just really weird, honestly. And he definitely also believed in reincarnation, like repeat, like repeating of wisdom over time. So he believed that he could like find wisdom by repeating. Like, that's why, like I said, he went to like the middle East because he, they believed in reincarnation and he believed like they had the ancient wisdom and I'm surely you know, I'm dumbing this down, but, (laughs) but from what I have read, both of these men were messing with some pretty sketch stuff, like trying to figure out how to get the ultimate knowledge and truth, just in a very, just in very unbiblical ways, but which, I mean, we can't expect that from them because they're not believers. They weren't believers. And so they were into the occult and clearly new age and like the universe. And what is it called? The um, the planes when they're trying to like just experiment with all that stuff, like what you just mentioned, different dimensions and yeah, stuff, the different dimensions, like not biblical, but again, they're not believers. So we can't expect that to come from them for it to be biblical. Yeah. So there was a man named Oscar Ichazo who they think learned about the Enneagon, possibly from Gurchiff himself. Um, Oscar had a, a follower who said that he was told that that's where he learned it. Again, super shady. Yep. So Oscar Echazo, who was called a psycho-spiritual philosopher, is generally recognized as the principal source of the contemporary Enneagram of personality, which is largely derived from some of Echazo's teachings, such as those on ego fixations, holy ideas from the Muslim Sufis or mystics mm-hmm. and the Hindu, the Hindu yogis, passions and virtues. He taught occult practices and the Enneagram. He believed that you have a pure essence 
And if you get rid of your ego fixations, you can be your true self, which is equated to God. Yeah. He had spirit guides, one of which was named Metatron. Which is which- so funny. Can I just mention? I love it because <laughs> somebody said it's like, sounds like a transformer, but this is legit. <laughs> it totally does. This is legit. Like people like, oh my goodness. Anyway, continue. <laughs> this isn't the first place I've heard of that. Me quote, neither. Unquote, That's why it's just, either. oh my goodness. So it's a very new age spirit. Yes. I mean, if you look into new age, you will hear about Metatron. Um, and there was another one called the Green Katoop. Which is what in the uh, world? <laughs> it, well, it sounds like a bad comic book or something. Yeah, like a, a really bad superhero name. <laughs> and he said he had an interior master, which to me, you know, I do too, but it's not the same one as his. Demonic oppression. Yikes. Mm-hmm. So Echazo began teaching programs of self-development in the 50s. His teaching, which he called proto-analysis, uses the Enneagram figure among many other symbols and ideas. Echazo founded the Eureka Institute in Chile before moving to the United States and coined the term Enneagram of Personality. He was known for using hallucinogenic drugs and analyzing people along with Claudio Naranjo who was a student of Echazo at his school. So up until this point, it was being used as a tool to understand the universe, like an occult tool, Mm -hmm. um, as well as to understand people, but there were no types yet. Yeah. Claudio Naranjo was a psychiatrist who first learned about the Enneagram of personality from Echazo at a course in Eureka. He was a new age shaman and a mystic. He then began developing and teaching his own understanding of the Enneagram in the United States in the early 70s. In an interview, he said the nine personality types came from to him from automatic writing. So automatic writing is where you do certain practices to open yourself up to be taken over by a spirit. Mm-hmm. And then you sit with pen in hand waiting for the spirit to speak through you. Yep. This is the same way that Sarah Young says she wrote Jesus Calling. Yep. And yep. there's actually been other people who I've heard talk about pretty much channeling Jesus in order to write their material. Yeah. Which is really creepy. Like the Passion um, Translation. Yes. Let's just call so, it what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not laughing because it's good. I'm laughing because, I mean, hey, it is what it is. Yeah, so he channeled the nine personality types and then started teaching it, influencing others. He was teaching at a place in California that was like a hippie com- commune kind of place. Um, didn't a guy, quick, didn't Marsha, Mon- is it Montenegro? Didn't she say like Montenegro? Montenegro. Okay, I can't say it. I always just call her, you know, Marsha. <laughs> um, she was talking about that commune and she said Christians were coming to her saying like, oh, this, you know, this school. And she goes, she's like shocked because she's like, there's like a bunch of naked hippies running around and like people yeah. are like, oh, it's a world renowned school. And she's like, do you know what that place is? Like there's people naked running around everywhere, just naked hippies. <laughs> yeah, it was um, from everything that I've heard about it. It was drugs and you know orgies and yeah it it wasn't and people talking about philosophy I mean I think it's part of the reason that um that yoga is so huge 
yeah. um, in the United States because that's when the yogis came over and were uh, spreading yeah. their Hindu philosophies and stuff. Yeah, it was like in that time when all of that stuff was really big. Because I mean, it's... Yep. Yeah. Bob Oaks became a student at that place in California. Yeah. And he was a Jesuit. And then he took it to the Jesuit priests. And they changed it a bit to make it sound more Christian. Mm -hmm. And they taught it there. They tried to adapt the Enneagram for use in Christian spirituality. But the Catholic Church did not endorse it. They didn't want anything to do with it. But they still continued to teach it. Yeah. So through them, Richard Rohr learned about it. Mm-hmm. Achazo later disowned Naranjo and the other teachers on what he felt were misinterpretations and uses of the Enneagram. Yeah. Which is funny because he took the Enneagon and made it his own, changing the original use, and then told Naranjo he was doing it wrong. <laughs> so among, Nar- yeah, among Naranjo's early students, there are also different understanding understandings of Enneagram theory. Numerous other authors also began publishing widely read books on the Enneagram of personality in the 80s and 90s, including um, Don Riso, who was inspired by Carl Jung. Carl Jung's research inspired the Myers-Briggs test. He was an occultist and he worked a lot in astrology Mm-hmm. In fact, his research helped shape astrology. So, you know, I would say that it's just as dangerous, you yes. know. Mm-hmm. Helen Palmer was a psychic New Ager and she wrote a book. Um, Eli Jackson Bear studied the Sufi traditions and Buddhism and he wrote one. Elizabeth Wagle wrote books on both the Enneagram and Myers Briggs. And Richard Rohr, who is a Franciscan friar who learned about it from the Jesuits. He is a perennialist, which believes that all of the world religions share a single truth and origin. He believes we are all the Christ. I said the Christ. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He differentiates between Jesus and the Christ. Yep. That Christ is all and in all, and that we just need to learn that. His beliefs are easier to find since he's so vocal and has been the one who really pushed the Enneagram into all areas of society. And he's even going into the Christian sphere, as you'll see. Oh, yeah. Um, He's friends with Oprah Winfrey and denies that Christ died on the cross for our sins uh, because he says that that's not what separates us. He also believes Um, because of his beliefs says that god can be equated to zeus yeah i heard that oh my gosh i was just like i mean if you're in the word it's just outrageous like the um the claims of roar like equating god to zeus and like saying that all the religions are the same is just ridiculous yeah um he says we've never been separated from god and that it is simply our false egos that separate us. He believes that we need to unlearn everything we know about God by contemplative practices so we can learn rightly. He says that there were multiple incarnations of Christ and that Jesus and Christ were separate because Christ is all and in all. Jesus wasn't our salvation because we didn't need to be saved. 
We just need to realize that we already have Christ in us. So what didn't surprise me, but surprised me was stuff like Saddleback Church, which is Rick Warren's church, Mm -hmm. promotes contemplative prayer and says that it's nothing like Hindu meditation, yet they promote Richard Rohr and other people who are mystics who are into Hindu ideology. Yep. Joyce Myers, Benny Hinn, and Kenneth Copeland all promote Richard Rohr at one point or another, Mm -hmm. who is anything but Christian, and yet he's being promoted so much in churches and quoted by pastors from the pulpit. Yeah. One of the ways he's finding his way in is through the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. People promote reading Rohr because he writes about it. We also have supposed Christian publishers like Zondervan Mm -hmm. publishing these books. Yeah. I mean, you guys, all of this information is free on the interwebs. It just takes time in the heart to know what is behind all of this. And I literally have nothing to add <laughs> to what Leah is saying because we have all read the same articles and watched all the same videos. Um, but I want you to know that in these days, we must remain diligent. Like we must seek first the kingdom of God. We have to care about who the people we are listening to are like who these people are and applying their teachings to our lives like who are these people and we need to know because uh, it's just I just have to add that because I mean even when you're saying like these things like Joyce Myers and stuff it's just very deceptive to me and it's just disgusting but you can continue I mean like a lot of these people may not know but I know I, th- but I think there's a point where you have to do more research and care about the things that you're into and the things you're saying from the pulpit. And I mean, as believers, we should care. Like, yeah, we need to care about what we're putting into our, our minds and what we're applying to our lives, what we're practicing daily, because I mean, I just know so many people that are in this and think there's nothing wrong with it. And say they're Christians. And it's just really hard. I think you and I were talking about, I just want to mention real quick, we were talking about how you see churches and like how you can tell how they're shepherded, how they're discipled when they come out and they're, what they're talking about that they do in their daily lives, like just a normal conversation. Like I know some people may not know, but if people are coming out and they're talking about yeah, I do the Enneagram. I do yoga. I do all these different things. It makes me question the shepherd. Like they might not know and they need it. I mean, we need to take personal responsibility for that too, as believers, like to research all these things, even our pastors, you know, if your pastor says something like, look it up yourself. I mean, I trust my pastor, but I also, you know, want to find out for myself as well. And I know Leah is the same way. Like (laughs) you were talking about that. Um, but I just think that we need to care more. And it does make me question a church if people who are coming out of that church, like enough people are coming out of that church talking to me, like when I'm not even mentioning the Enneagram and I'm not even mentioning yoga or things like that, but that's just coming up in normal daily conversation to where it's like, well, what are you being taught at church? Like, why are you into all these things? And it's not just like one person. It's like lots of people who just have no idea because, you know, it's probably not even addressed maybe 
I don't know. Well, I think, I think a lot of pastors, um, don't understand, like even like really good Bible believing, solid Christian pastors. We're not questioning that. Like we don't, I don't question that everybody who's into these things doesn't love the Lord. I like continue. I don't want, no, but I think, I think that like a lot of them, um, don't understand that it, it's so badly needs to be talked about right now. Oh yeah. And I'm thankful my pastor does. And I know your pastor does too, like talks, addresses the culture and like how yeah. we should be living and how to respond to, especially because of deceptions like this, because they're so sneaky. I know Leah says all the time, like, you know, just because it has a Christian veneer doesn't mean that it's Christian and that it's biblical. Um, yeah. It might sound Christian, but that's why we have to be diligent in the word is so we are able to discern, well, you say this is biblical, but what does the Bible say about a practice like this? Like when you look into the history of the Enneagram and the occult, it's like, okay, so it's occult practices. Has this ever been holy? You know, you know, does the Bible support this? Well, but so many people want to excuse it. Yeah. And we need to stop excusing well, and it, you know, we need to stop excusing things because we have an experience that says, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It doesn't really matter if you enjoyed it or if you got something quote unquote good out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it is what it is. The history, the truth, I mean, sometimes hurts really sad too, because I just think that, like you said, like we just, just because it feels good, just because we had an experience with it doesn't mean that we should just run with it. Oh, it must be good because God is good. You know, all things good come from God. I mean, that's misuse of scripture <laughs> because yeah. like, the occult is not of God, no matter what way you twist it. If you listen to like new agers and stuff, they talk about experience with these different, you know, quote, they say spirits, but they're demons. Yeah. And they talk about having a euphoric feeling i mean when you the kundalini spirit they say it's euphoric it makes you feel like you are communing with god and all these things that it's like okay but what is it you know that satan masquerades as an angel of light he can make you feel good he knows i feel like with all of these things like the devil knows how to pull at our emotions and our, I mean, we're still people (laughs) like we're not in our heavenly bodies present with the Lord. I mean, it's so, sometimes I feel like there's such a feeble human, but the thing is, is that we have to care and we have to like refuse to be deceived. And sometimes we will like, we'll slip into like, Oh wait, but we have to check ourselves constantly and be like, where is, what is the source of this and not be so easily trusting of what, books say that are made by fallible man just because a book says the christian enneagram or whatever christian yoga all those things like just because it has a christian label on it you still have to question it because it's made by man and we can't absolutely i mean we're all fallible (laughs) it's like what does the bible say about practicing the occult well it's a sin like we shouldn't do it we should run away stay far from it you know, we're supposed to stand out in the culture and be different, not mesh in with what everyone else is doing. Absolutely. The, I mean, the information's out there. Finding yeah, it's easy. It is. There's yeah. a site dedicated to the history of the Enneagram, and mm-hmm. um, a lot of that is on there. A lot of understanding the connections 
comes from looking at multiple sources, which I do generally anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the information on the people come from stuff like their Wikipedia page. I mean, it's not that hard. Like out there, it's such an easy search. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't just spitting out what another Christian who doesn't like the Enneagram says. Yeah. This is just looking at what they say, you know, the people who are telling you this is what it is. And it's um, definitely got occult origins and yeah. new age. Though I did gain a lot of in- insight from Marcia Montenegro, mm-hmm. who used to be in the new age and has done a lot of research yeah, herself. Her website, I think it was her website that brought me out of yoga. I think I'm not was- surprised. That I was thinking when I was looking at her website, I was like, this looks really familiar. And I'm pretty sure like when I was started looking into yoga, her website popped up. And I mean, she has experience in all of these things. She was in the new age for how many years? A long time. Um, I don't know, but she, she was like young when she got into the new age. Yeah. And she was an astrologer. Like she was, she did astrology. She did readings on people. I mean, she was legit into it. But her ministry right now is the counter cult ministry. Yeah. So this is what she does. Yeah, you know? this is like her. She is so well researched. When you see when we're linking the sources in the description, but she you'll notice if you watch videos of her. I was just telling Lee about this before we started recording how when she's talking, it's all in her head. Like she is so intelligent. <laughs> she knows everything about it. Not probably not everything, but I mean, she's very intelligent. Well, what was cool was the notes that I took from her. Mm-hmm. Like I took notes and then I did a bunch of research because I wasn't just going yeah, to take look her into- word for it. Yeah. And it was all like all on point. I yeah. mean, all the stuff that she said was what I was finding. Yep. I know. So, it's so cool when you're like, wow. <laughs> but yeah. Because even when you're looking at the Christian people who are against stuff, you want to look at, okay, so what does the source say? Like yeah. when you're researching, you want to know, that's what Leah's trying to say is this isn't just like an Enneagram hating Christian article that we're like sourcing from. Like this is what comes from the horse's mouth. This is what the people who actually created all of this are saying. This is what they say they're doing or they did. Some of them aren't alive anymore, but it's very eye-opening when you look. Yeah, at some people... Some people believe it's an ancient practice, mm-hmm. but that's been clarified by the person who started it to begin with. Mm-hmm. So there's a video, we'll link it. Yeah. It's, it'll be in the resources. Um, and it has Claudio Naranjo talking, the one who channeled the nine types. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about it. And he said that it was an ancient practice to begin with, but in fact, he actually channeled a spirit who wrote the nine types. He said in the video he did that because he remembered a recommendation of Oscar Wilde, which, oh my goodness, one bad person to listen to after another. Yeah. And Oscar Wilde said, if you want an idea of yours to become famous, attribute it to a famous person. So he said that he learned it from the Sufis or that it came from the Sufis and this, that, and the other. But he said that's not what actually happened. Mm Mm-hmm. So as you can see, all of these people are mystics. The things that they study are the occult, Hindu practices, uh, Muslim mystic practices, 
they're all into what I call other. We have God and his power, and then we have other. Yeah. Other is Satan. Yep. It's satanic. It's demons. If it's not of God and is a power source or spirit, it is of Satan. Other gods, little g, are demons. Yeah. I feel the same way about this as I do yoga. I mean, it was meant for evil and you can't change it. Yeah. If Even it's origins. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's deception. That's why it's deceiving because it makes you feel good, you know? Yep. I mean, we wouldn't want to do it. I'm sure some people would, but we wouldn't be so deceived if it came in a, oh, it hurts and it's terrible and it yep. makes me feel bad, you know? What's the point of deception um, at that point? <laughs> if its origins came from satanic roots, then it's satanic. It is. Uh, people get mad because I call things demonic and they're like, you can't just put the label on that. And it's like, but well, it is. if it's demonic, then I'm going to say it's demonic. And also, and it's black and white. Like, you know, there's no gray area. A lot of people don't like it when I say that, but I mean, it's black and white, like when it comes to something of God or is it not? There's, I, I just believe that there's no middle ground. You can't ride the fence when it comes to occult practices, things like yoga and stuff. It's either holy or it's not. It's either, like you said, I feel like people try and create that gray area by putting a, like you, what you call the Christian veneer and saying, well, here's the middle ground. This is okay, but it's either holy or it is not holy. Either it's, you know, it's of God or it's of Satan, like what you just said. Well, and it, if it's something like this and it was meant to be a, an occult practice, it's Except, kind of, yes. That's what you I'm know, thinking. that is very black and white. So, yeah. And some might be harder to discern. I mean, that's why we just have to be diligent in prayer and in the word. Yeah. God isn't going to redeem something that's evil. Nope. We aren't supposed to do what is evil, period. Mm -hmm. uh, being an occult tool, the new age say it's used to find your true self, your inner divinity. Mm -hmm. Each number is meant to help you find your inner divinity so you can be enlightened. The concept that it was Christian or any of that didn't come until like way later. Yeah. And it was a Christian mystic, which, you know, that's the. Other people say, oh, well, it came from a Christian background. No, it was a Christian mystic that they're attributing that to. And it's already been proven that that's not where it came from. So maybe you should tell people what a Christian mystic is. Well, it's pretty much an occultist. Yeah. I mean, a mystic is somebody who is into mystical practices. <laughs> yeah. But if it has Christian on it, it's like, why do they say that? Like a Christian mystic. Well, what is a Christian witch? <laughs> It doesn't go together. <laughs> well, no, like seriously, there's people who call themselves all kinds of things. I can I say it's a Christian genie, but a genie is a demon. So I'm not sure. I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure where that, that's what I'm saying. Like that term Christian mystic, it doesn't go together. Are you saying you want me to define mystic? Cause I can yeah. do that. Can you do that? Because I don't understand why they put Christian in front of mystic. Because it does, does that mean it's a Christ, the Christ consciousness, Christ consciousness? I can never say that word. So a mystic, it's involving or characterized by esoteric, otherworldly, or symbolic practices or content as certain religious ceremonies and art, spiritually significant, ethereal. 
of occult character, power, or significance. So to put Christian (laughs) and mystic together, you are saying it's a Christian occultist. (laughs) So they're not Christian. Correct. They're not a Christ follower. The real, the Christ of the, you know, Jesus of the Bible. I like that you had to define that. Yeah. (laughs) I don't, that doesn't make sense anyway (laughs) yeah so um a christian mystic which you know obviously says it all yeah so it became it began by occultist mystics it began by the the lineage of it is a direct line of occultists i know some hipsters that were like "Ooh, it's mystical like i don't that's why i wanted you to define it because some people you know, want to be hippies so bad and it's like attractive and I'm, I'm just calling it out. I'm sorry if that's rude, but it's like, they want to be so hippie. It's like, okay, well, there's no gray area when it comes to that stuff. Maybe I yeah. should do that, but I'm going to, because <laughs> it's like just the mystical attraction because that's how it's an angel, you know, the devil comes, like you said, as an angel of light. So, oh, but it's mystical. It's Christian mystic. Ooh, like, you know, it's just attractive to people. I don't know. I've just seen that happening. Totally not biblical. (laughs) You can't follow the ways of the world and claim to be a Christian. I mean, like you can claim to be one, but that I know I'm not a turnip. You know, I can claim to be a turnip, but that doesn't make me one. Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Right. For me, I never knew you. Hence the reason that you had to define what Jesus you were talking about. Yep, you have to. (laughs) There are so many churches using this and saying it's the biblical use, but there isn't a biblical use. There really can't be a biblical use. Yeah. Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 4. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes true concerning which he spoke to you saying let us go after other gods little g mm-hmm. whom you do have not known and let us serve them you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams for the lord your god is testing you to find out if you love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul you shall follow the lord your god and fear him and you shall keep his commandments listen to his voice serve him and cling to him Mm, amen there can be truth in deception yep i mean i guess there can't because if there's any deception then it's not truth but there can be things that sound true your experience can tell you that you can believe something false we can't base things on experience as believers satan can mask an experience to have truth Mm -hmm. this is what makes us believe it just like he can make experiences feel good and of God when they aren't. People say it helped them or it taught them something about themselves, but you can't discount where it came from. So you can hold on to that. You learned something from it. So I believe that people are making themselves idols. I think it's huge in the culture right now It is that they're making themselves little gods and that in seeking self, the way that people are is idolatry. Yeah. First Timothy four, one through two 
says, but the spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as a branding iron. Mm. I'm not saying if you use this, you've fallen away, but it can happen as a slide from God's truth to self. Each time we accept a lie, we set ourselves up to accept another. We can't listen to seekers, mystics, and certainly not someone channeling spirits. Because the Bible explicitly says not to do that. Absolutely. We are to look to the word to know who God wants us to be, how to live, who we really are in Christ Jesus. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. If we're crucified with Christ, and it's him that lives in us, we ought to look as he, at who he is in order to emulate him, and not to ourselves to understand truth. And honestly, that's very exhausting if you're trying to look for your, to yourself for truth. Like, the cross is simple. Like Christianity and the gospel is so simple and beautiful. And then you have all these people who come in trying to say, oh, but you know, you're not where I am or you don't understand. This is how you truly become who you are or those little deceptions that come in and it makes it exhausting. Like when you think about all the anxiety and depression and people who are just seeking to fill this God-shaped hole in their heart, just seeking and seeking and seeking and seeking after fallible man. Like I keep talking about, like reading all these books, trying to find themselves and just desperate to fill that God-sized hole. And as believers, I mean, we should be first seeking the kingdom of God and seeking Christ and not trying to fill this hole with what people say, especially when they're mystics and like what Leah just said, the mystics, the people who are just, they're not, there's no truth in it. I don't want to say like not basing their truth, you know, but their truth is not truth because what the Bible says is truth. And we need to cling to that and, you know, completely cling to God, cling to Christ for us to be able to fully discern And like Leah said, I don't think that everybody who falls into this isn't a Christian because I know some people just kind of dabble in it or they're like, oh, yeah, that's great, you know, and then there's people who are like full blown in it and applying it to everything in their life. But I mean, we just have to be diligent. I think the mark kind of has to do like the mark is when you know what it is and where it came from. What do you do with it after that? So the people who excuse it and they know where it came from and then they act like it's okay to still use, Mm -hmm. I have a hard time with that. And I have a hard time because who do you say God is? How holy is God? Uh Does he deserve us to want him over life, you know, Mm -hmm. over things, over experience? Romans 12, 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. We aren't supposed to be conformed to the world or what the world says is okay 
We aren't supposed to look like them, act like them, and fit ourselves into their categories. I think you already said that earlier. Yeah. We are to look to the word for who we are and correction and wisdom instead of fitting ourselves into a mold the world created that says, this is who you are and how you will respond. Yeah. People take it and then they filter themselves and other people through it. People become their number and excuse things instead of working on them because they are the number. So they must be doing it because that's who they are. Yeah. They stop looking to God as the way to help their relationship, be it with themselves or with others, and start looking to what the Enneagram says. And it's, it's actually pretty crazy. It, is, it yeah. desensitizes people to accept other beliefs from places that teach contrary to what the Bible says, too. Yeah. And like what is really disturbing is, like I said above, you can easily find this stuff on the web, <laughs> on the interwebs. And I know people very dear to me who are super into this. And I have even, you know, quote, tested to take the Enneagram. And apparently, like we were saying, you don't really test like the true Enneagram. You're not it's not a test that you take. You have to discover yourself, you know, to see what number you are. And, you know, the whole test is a new feature. <laughs> on the Enneagram. Yeah, it is. Um, I have also done the other personality tests and they do sound super similar to who I think I am. And we can think so many different things about ourselves and be completely wrong because Christ looks at the heart. And I mean, we are great until we are mirrored with the image of Christ and who he is and what Christ did for us on the cross. So we have to be careful about what we read and who we look to. I know it seems like I'm constantly repeating myself, but we have to care more about what God says. This culture is so deceptive if you're not in the word. And like 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9 says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of the suffering are being accomplished by your brothers and sisters who are in the world. So those I know personally who practice the Enneagram, and yes, I say I said practice like it's a religion because it is. People have turned it into some kind of cult, like a religious cult, religion type thing. And, you know, I've been laughed off many times because I am being, quote, so my number, being so my, you're being so your number right now. And you know, I'm sure they believe they know me better than I know myself. <laughs> like, that's how they act. Like, you just don't even know yourself. It's that kind of attitude that I get from. The well, it's pretty bizarre when you listen to them talk. Yeah. I, my brain wanted to explode listening to someone talk about, um, I'm this number and there's totally that number. So they yeah. did this because that's their number. And, you know, and that's what it's seriously really frustrating because you can't even have a conversation because they know you better than you know yourself. And in their mind, that's it's kind of like they filter everything, everybody through the number. And if they don't know your number, they're going to put one on you and they're going to say, I totally think that person is a whatever. And then that's why they're acting that way. And then they just think that they are enlightened and so much wiser than you. Um, very prideful attitude. It's, it's yeah, I've ridiculous. never, 
I've never taken the test, but within a matter of a minute talking to somebody who is very into it, they told me exactly what number I am and the wing, whatever off number I am. It was totally bizarre. Yeah. And you know, I sometimes think it really stinks that I took the test because now they only see me as a number <laughs> because I did do it. So now I'm just a number to them. And it really, like Leah said, it, you know, desensitizes people to where their whole world is filtered through this. And I'm talking about the people that are like full board, like they believe this to be true about everyone. And so, I mean, I could go on and on, but my, my own thoughts are that There are a lot of problems with our generation, much of it being anxiety, just a lost generation grasping for meaning. And the problem is the idol worship of self, like what Leah said. If we put ourselves where God belongs, we are left empty. And I wanted to add something really funny that my pastor was talking about. It's not funny, it's sad, but he was talking about the chocolate Easter bunnies at Easter and how deceiving the Easter bunnies at Easter are, the chocolate Easter bunnies. And he was saying they're so deceiving because you get your, your chocolate bunny and you're like, this is so delicious. It's so big. And you take a bite and it's hollow inside. And he's like, that's the world. You, it looks great. And then it's hollow and it's like chocolate flavored something. It's just not the real chocolate. That's like you're expecting. And he's like, that's the world is a hollow bunny. You know, you just feel hollow and empty inside, you know, going on a, you know, drinking bender and then waking up. And he said that even when we look back on our life, you know, all those times, you know, everyone's focusing on the good old days and talking about, we look back on our lives and we're like, man, remember in that time where, and then he's like, do you also remember when you woke up the next morning and how you felt? Do you remember all of the bad that was going on in that time? And then where you are now and how blessed you are, you know, um, we focus so much. And like, I just believe that this generation is just empty because of things like this, the false spiritual out, the false spirituality that not just the Enneagram, just the new age infiltrating the church in general, it's empty and hollow Christianity. It's not Christianity at all. And so people are leaving the faith in droves because they're seekers. They're, they're, being taught by these people who believe in like what you're saying, you know, quote, Christian mystics and all of those things. And it's leaving them hollow. And they're like, well, this isn't what I thought it was. And they're leaving and going straight into the new age. And I mean, I know somebody who went to a church and felt hollow. Like she was seeking other things, I think is probably what it was. And, you know, I looked at her social media profile and like, okay, what happened? Because it went from, I'm going to church to crystals and mysticism in moon yoga, like moon worshiping yoga. And I'm like, what in the world happened? And pastors, man, I mean, it's so, I just, I get so worked up about this because these people need a shepherd. And there's so many churches out there that don't have pastors. Like I, I am so blessed And I know Leah is too. And I mean, pastors that care, and I'm not saying they don't know, but I just see in people I love and people I know the consequences of 
letting everything in and not testing every spirit. I see the consequences of people going, they're on the train to hell. Like they are on their way. Like what my mom says, going to hell in a handbasket because the culture is infiltrating the church so much that it's like Christianity today is just an empty, hollow shell. There's no depth, you know? It's because people have made it to be selfish and so an they experience have, yeah it's all it, yeah it's all about me it's all about putting me into the bible it's all yes. about how i can fit things into my life instead of fitting uh making myself who i'm supposed to be yeah you know i'm supposed to look at the bible and say this is who god is this is who god says that i am this mm-hmm. is who i ought to be it's not about um fitting God into where I want him. Yeah. It's not about um making, you know, you have pastors who get up there and all they do is speak about personal experience mm-hmm. and how you can have such a good life. Yeah. It's not and it's that a ge- whole generation that is desensitized and offended by everything. Like, oh, the truth hurts. So I'm not going to listen to that and I'm going to do what makes me feel good. And I'm going to do some self-love over here and read my personal development. (laughs) Isn't that why people read devotionals instead of their Bible? Because it's bite-sized water. It's not like we need to be fed. And like I said, it makes me question when someone goes to a certain church and there's more than one person coming and just in having a conversation with them, what are people being taught? Like, why and it makes me just you know i mean this isn't even being rude i'm just saying pastors shepherd your people like yeah people are suffering like hardcore demonic oppression like it's oppression and suffering people need to hear the truth because there's no hope absent of truth if people aren't hearing the gospel there's no truth and they're gonna grasp and reach where they think like what the world has to offer, which, like I said, is hollow and empty, loneliness, anxiety, depression, you know, like seeking after demonic things. And it just, anyway, I'm sorry I went on a rant, but it's just, I've seen the consequences of horrible decisions by shepherds in their churches. And, and even the people I love, which is why I am just like, you know, so loud right now. (laughs) Well, I think that's why you and I both get so heated about this is because people that we really love are in the middle of all of this. And And you and I, because they're so indoctrinated. It's well, we read, we read what the word says and we have been like convicted about a lot of this stuff. And it hurts. It hurts. But the truth hurts and (laughs) that's what molds us. Like that's the whole process of sanctification. And then, like you said, it's not molding ourselves to what we think the Bible, what it means or or trying to fit in. Let me fit in Christianity where I can take time for it. It needs to be the other way around. But like you said, self-love and self is so big. That's why things like the Enneagram, are such a big deal because everyone's like, well, I want to know myself, self, 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 self. 
And I was in the middle of that um, a couple years ago, which we're going to do a whole other podcast on. But I mean, I was in the middle of that and I understand, like I can relate with that, but I'm here to tell you that it's wrong and it's, it's not okay. (laughs) And it's empty. That's how I felt through all of that was just empty. And what I thought, even being raised as a Christian, what I thought Christianity was, was not Christianity. And it wasn't even what I was taught when I was a kid. It's just what the world was telling me what Christianity was through self-help books. And it was just hollow. So I get that, you know, I get that. And even if, you know, you think it's all happy and fluffy, eventually you won't be because if the gospel is truth, the Bible is truth. If you're not putting truth into your brain and it's not making its way to your heart, it's just an empty, you know, dark place to be. And if people are seeking and they're, you know, like I said, with the pastors, if people are looking and searching and all this stuff, I mean, if you just mention it in a sermon, the Enneagram, people are going to start noticing yeah well especially if they decide they want to know more you know as soon as they start talking about it in a church um, then they say oh go read this book and if you look at the authors of the Enneagram books they're all other there are ones who say that they're Christian but they don't conform to what the Bible says no and if you look deeper into it um, they are more new age than anything else yeah but i mean if they actually conform to what the bible said they probably wouldn't be writing a book endorsing the enneagram because then they would have looked into it you know or the myers-briggs for that matter yeah you can't tell me that people's worldviews aren't caught up in what they write exactly it goes with the descriptions of the types also so many preachers and teachers are so me-based And it's no wonder that they adapt to using something that focuses on self rather than God. Yeah. You listen to them and it's a study of the word, but it's not a study of the word. It's a study of them and how great they are or how smart they are or how they glow in the dark and have such an amazing relationship with God that he speaks to them directly. But then they go correct the things that they said later because it's not politically correct anymore. And it's a self-delusion. I mean, if, if you have somebody who says, God spoke to me and I wrote this book because they spoke it to me, and then they go back and correct the things in the book because people get mad, there's a problem. Yeah. And that means if God it's, didn't really say it and they're not holding that conviction. Yeah. It's a self-delusion. And if it's of God, he doesn't need a spirit to channel it because we have the Bible. And yeah. if a spirit channeled it, that spirit's not of God. Because and God doesn't channel. Yeah. And then that, that means that there's ungodly ideas wrapped into it. God doesn't download things into your brain. <laughs> if it's not scripture. But anyway. But yeah, absolutely. Like, absolutely. The perfect formula for deception. I mean, it will present itself as something fluffy and great. Yay. I know me so well. And like, Lee, I'm not sure if you watched the interview um, Doreen did with Jillian. I think that was her name. Um, yeah, I did. Out of like full blown Enneagram. And she was actually a pastor's wife and had a huge Enneagram ministry, you know, quote ministry at her church. And she said that many people who went were unbelievers too. 
like she, that was the group that had the biggest turnout. And she said many of the women that went to this Enneagram ministry thing that she had weren't even believers. And in regards to marriage, she said that it was used as a weapon. Like you aren't understanding me and you need to research my number more (laughs) or something like that. I'm totally paraphrasing, but she said they would weaponize it all the time and they didn't see it as weaponizing. But when she looks back, it was, it was, she, they were weaponizing um, their number. And then for her, you know, she said that it brought up a lot of pride in her. She was like priding herself in her number and she would look down on other numbers that were defined as people who let people walk all over them. And so she'd just be like, you are such a, whatever the number is, you know, you let people walk all over you. And she'd like look down on them. And it's just so dangerous. And, you know, I will reference the the interview, of course, and I apologize, you know, I apologize if I'm being too forward, but I'm, I'm not apologizing. But <laughs> there are so many sources for this and the churches are openly promoting it as a tool. And that's what is so infuriating. And like I said, pastors. Yeah, they say it's a doing? they say it's a spiritual tool. And it's like if you're going to use it as a spiritual tool, it is a, an occult tool. Like what part of spiritualism are we going for? You know, I know. I totally watched that though. Mm -hmm. She said she thought it was helpful in her marriage and would excuse things because her husband was just being his number. And she had to remember like who that is, you know? Oh, I got to remember who he is. He's a whatever. Mm -hmm. And we're not supposed to excuse things because it's our personality type. (laughs) We're supposed to conform to be like God. Yes. Issues between people need to be examined and dealt with in a godly way. And not in a way that says you have the right to act that way because it's your type. But God uses our personalities absolutely. And we should be aware of other people and their personalities, but it can't be used like that. No. Like I have a harsh personality Mm -hmm. and I have a hard time speaking in a way that people hear the love, but that can't be using it as an excuse. I can't just be like, oh, whatever. It's my personality. Who I am. Like you better just build a bridge and walk over it. (laughs) Yeah. I have to continue to work on it. Yes. You know? Yes. I'm just, I'm totally sick of excuses. Mm -hmm. Truth needs to matter more than anything else, more than experience, more than there was this thing that I thought helped me. The damage isn't always visible. And sometimes it takes time to be seen just as being convinced in different ideologies, it can start with a twisted verse or a hint of wrong throughout truth, and it can just spark other things, you know, yeah. the accepting other false things. If it isn't fully true, it isn't true at all. And I don't want to learn falsities from someone or have to weed through what's true and what isn't. So personally, I just throw out listening to the people altogether. Yeah. And people have a problem with that, but um, I, I test everybody. And if I find you to not be trustworthy, I'm not going to listen to you for advice. It's just not going to happen. I'd gladly throw out the baby with the bathwater <laughs> when it comes to false teachers or satanic teachings. Um, Satan quote, quoted scripture to mm-hmm. Jesus when tempting him. It's not hard to have a Christian veneer. Or something, or put Christianese into it to make it seem right. 
when one lie at a time is accepted, we open ourselves to the next one and the next one. And slowly we slide. And sometimes it's hard to see, but I've watched people I love go from, um, I love the Bible. I love God. I love Jesus. I know all the things I'm saved to. I am now, um, worshiping some goddess and doing healing vibrational healing or I have watched the backslide and it is absolutely you don't just see it all the time yeah and it's you know a slippery rabbit hole (laughs) yeah like it's like one day you're solid like you said the next day you have crystals on your nightstand (laughs) yeah just it's I've like I said I've seen it happen in people that I know and people I love you know you have social media now So even if I don't see people all the time, it's just sometimes I'm like, whoa, what happened? Because like you said, you know, people who are, you know, solid, they're going to church and you think that they're solid. And then next thing you know, you go and check and say, hey, I wonder what they're doing. And then there's just like crystals and moon worship and energy and like all this just crazy stuff. And it always reminds me of that meme. And maybe this is inappropriate, but to me it is it's laughable because these people are like Christians are so crazy, but then they're like worshiping moons and rocks and believe energy comes from trees and like all this stuff. And I'm like, you're the one that is sounding kind of crazy here. Like that is, (laughs) I'll have to like share that just because it is interesting. And it just kind of, I think I've, I've posted that before. Yeah, me too. And it's just, to me, it's a per- it pers- puts things in perspective because these people are like, you're so like crazy. You guys are so, you know, but then they're, you know, doing energy dances to up their vibe, you know, how to get rid of bad vibes. Let's go dance in the wilderness together. And like, I mean, it's just, you know, like, and I'm not making fun of them, but it's just, it's perspective. Like, it's just, I don't even know what that is, but <laughs> But, you know, it's just the perspective that all that stuff is just, it, that is crazy. Especially if you're a believer doing those things and you know truth, you've heard the truth and you go off and do that stuff. I don't know. Well, and people think, you know, it's not going to, oh, it's not going to happen like that. And, you know, it's just doing this thing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you can't just do one thing and accept it and say it's okay and then expect to not compromise in another area also. Yeah. So I know a lot of people believe once saved, always saved. And I believe we can have assurance of our salvation, but at the least we should care about what we're doing that will dishonor God. And if you don't, then I have to wonder how much you care about God to begin with. If what he says doesn't matter more than anything on earth, then do you really care at all? Yeah. And if you don't, if you don't, how are you saved? Because if it's not saved through him, then I'm not, there's no other way. So he has to be the Lord of your life. And that means what he says has to matter more than even what your experience says. Yes. I mean, this parallels astrology. Yep. If you wouldn't do astrology or numerology, why in the world would you do this? Mm-hmm. And if you do any of those things, either you don't care what the Bible says, and in that case, you should call yourself something other than a Christian, 
or you really need to dig into the word and what it says, because God's pretty clear on the fact that we aren't to be partaking of anything satanic. And I mean, I'm not saying either that like some people like are dabbling. And if you are dabbling in this, come back, (laughs) dial it in, (laughs) get back. Um, But also I just wanted to say too, there's people that would be like, well, I don't believe in the Bible anymore. And, but people, it's just sad because there's that hardening of hearts, like people's hearts hardened and they just completely turn away from God completely. But like I said, it makes me question. I mean, we do need to take personal responsibility for our walk. I don't think it's anyone else's responsibility for our relationship with God. We can't rely on our parents. We can't rely on our pastor. We can't rely on other people. They don't save us. Jesus saved us by grace on the cross. And it's a precious, wonderful gift. And my whole thing is when you see like when I, first of all, I was like fire, like when you're, I mean, it's like, do you care at all? And I know that sounds harsh and that's what kind of sparked what I'm saying right now. It, it, it might come off as harsh. Like, do you really care at all? But examine your heart, examine yourself and not in a self-righteous way, but be honest with yourself because do you care how you're living right now? If this is you, I don't know if this is like anyone listening, but if there is someone out there who is living a certain way and partaking in these things and saying that you're a Christian, examine yourself I have to do that daily. I think as believers, we should daily examine ourselves and daily and pray about it and pray about it. Like pray about it. Get in the word. Don't listen to what these, I'm sorry, fools are saying who are in the occult and don't know anything about what they're talking about. Because if they did, they would be quoting the Bible like, and they're not like, do not listen to these occultists. (laughs) What does the Bible say about like the self? What does the Bible say about these things? And if you don't want anything to do with God, you cannot put a Christian label on yourself. And it's sad if, you know, people do that. Like, I think that's very sad because I don't think they truly understand Christianity at that point. Like I know people whose hearts are so hardened against God and they're just in absolute rebellion but it makes me wonder if they even know like what the gospel is. Have they even heard the gospel? And I mean, I think some people will fall away, but, and I mean, cause that's in the Bible, but I just really makes me wonder sometimes we need to examine ourselves daily, me included, well, and, me included, like we all and need don't to just work. take what we have been saying. I mean, exactly. go in and do research, pray about it. And yeah. I mean, be honest with yourself in what you find. Because there, you have to make choices for yourself as to what is acceptable and what's not acceptable. And um, you should be in your Bible and digging into what God says is acceptable and what's not. Exactly. You know, don't take these authors word for it when it comes to like, this is what spirituality is. Like what Leah said, research, be in the word, pray about it. And yeah, don't take our word for it. I mean, our, our references, I think would be a good research start because like when it comes to the Enneagram, because it can start your research, but look for yourself, 
Like, it's not even my responsibility. It's my responsibility to speak truth, but it's not my responsibility. Like, I can't save you. Leah can't save you. Your pastor can't save you. Your mom and dad don't save you. Like, we don't, aren't, that's not my responsibility. <laughs> and I thank think- Thank God that, it's not too. Thank God. <laughs> like, but if I were, if I were to stay quiet about these things, to me, like, it's my responsibility to speak out against these things when it comes Because we love people. Yes. And I, or I wouldn't be sounding, my tone of my voice would not be this way. <laughs> I wouldn't be talking about it at all if I didn't care. If I didn't care, I would just let people, you know, what is it called? Like, you know, one of the Proverbs verses, like, stop them from stumbling to the slaughter. And that verse in Proverbs, I'll have to quote it. I'll put it in the references. Because that verse, like, is literally how I've always been. <laughs> like, just stop them from stumbling to the slaughter. I've gotten a lot of pushback in my own life, but it's well. Just- if I didn't, if I didn't love people, I know that people say I don't sound loving when I talk. Mm-hmm. But if I didn't love people, I wouldn't do the research to care about half of this stuff. And it takes us. And time I do to the research this stuff. Like I do the research because it's, I want to know truth. Like Mm -hmm. if I hear something and I hear, uh, controversies about it, I do research on, yeah. Is it true? Is it not true? You know, I mean, I, I want to know, cause I don't want to be saying something's wrong when it's not exactly. Yeah. And I mean, if I was wrong about the Enneagram, I'd be like, Oh, Okay. But I already knew before we even chose this topic. I was like, yeah, and you did too. So, but we didn't know. I didn't know the depth of it, though. I didn't know. I had an idea, but I didn't realize until we started researching this topic, like how bad it really was. But what really, really got me was the churches doing full sermons on like full series on Enneotypes. So Titus 2, 12 and 13 says, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and live righteously. We are to look to God, not to ourselves. Matthew 16, 24 to 26 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus said, if we wish to come after him, we must deny ourselves. Mm -hmm. He didn't say we need to get to know ourselves better or learn who we are and why we do things. We're not going to learn, you know, that we we already have Christ in us. We we are to deny ourselves and follow him. In Luke, it says, deny yourself daily. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a daily process. We have to choose him over selfish want daily. Yes. And again, this totally goes back to the roots of self. Like our culture today is so full of itself. 
And I can say that because I was one of the people within the culture who was full of myself without even being aware of it until God, you know, graciously opened my eyes. And it wasn't until I started reading my Bible too. And I'm not saying everyone who's into this isn't reading their Bible, but I think that it needs to be addressed that we need to be more in the word and less in books. And I really, and devotionals, like Leah said, the little cherry pick devotionals, I can't do those. Like, I just can't, it's fluffy and happy. And, and I mean, it's like, okay, if it's happy, the whole Bible, there's hope and joy throughout the whole Bible. But I mean, when you're like picking bits and pieces, it, it you can miss a lot. And I really hope I'm not coming off as combative, but I mean, it's the truth. Like I am saying it because I love the people who are deceived. And also because it saddens me that people who are trying so hard to figure themselves out do not know who they are in Christ. I mean, sometimes I even have trouble wrapping my head around it and understanding it, but we must hold true to the word of God and God's, you know, to the word and God's promises. And if we don't, we have a wishy-washy foundation and we'll fall because we need that solid foundation. Yeah, I saw a video with a couple who were talking about coming out of being completely wrapped in the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. And the girl was talking about how she filtered herself through her number and everyone around her. And she was saying how we are all to have the qualities from all the different numbers and not just one type when we're in Christ. And strangely enough, people limit themselves with their descriptions, but God tells us who we're supposed to be. Yeah. You know, being stuck in a type is they say, don't put God in a box. Well, guess what? <laughs> don't put yourself in a box that humans made. You yes, know, exactly. Don't trap yourself within the confines of what the world says that you are. I mean, come on. And I was like, and I can say that if someone is like, you know, quote, faithful to the Enneagram. Yes, that's absolutely true to most people. And I mean, I've seen it personally. It's happened to me and it's an exciting obsession in a way. I think to them and part of it, you know, a part of it, I think is people think they have everyone and everything figured out. If you look at the writings we have presented here, the creators, you know, of the Enneagram, like their whole goal was to, was to find ultimate wisdom through whatever means necessary spiritually and their own, you know, quote, enlightenment. It's interesting to see that people who follow the Enneagram of today hold that same attitude that they're more enlightened than you are. Um, like they have this way better experience. You just have to adapt this, you know, occult practice to your Christian walk. And I mean, you're, you're enlightened and you'll know all things just like the, you know, prosperity gospel people. It's to me, it's just all intertwined and interwoven together as one gigantic self-deception like you're deceiving yourself <laughs> from like allowing these people to confuse you and who God says you are versus like what the world and these false teachers say you are. Yeah. The things we talk about on this podcast generally go to people being experience based mm -hmm. instead of truth based, looking to self-satisfaction rather than looking to God for their source of joy. Yeah. If you think that you are mature enough to not be deceived, you are prideful and you need to repent. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are all susceptible to fall for a lie. Almost every book of the Bible speaks to people being deceived in one way or another. Even Peter got sucked into deception with the Judaizers. 
Over and over, God tells us to be careful about what we do and who we listen to. Yeah. And I love that passage on Peter. It shows the best of us, you know, can get sucked in. Like yeah. it, it could happen to the best of us. First John 4, 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. We're to test every person and everything against the word of God. If it doesn't line up, we aren't supposed to hold on to it. Mm-hmm. Romans 12, 9 says, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. We're to hate evil and turn away from it. Every compromise leads to another compromise and eventually can very well lead to a falling away. Second mm-hmm. Thessalonians 2 3 says, Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. So, can you kind of clarify what that means? That there's going to be a great apostasy? Which part? Yeah, there's going to be a great apostasy. So, it's saying, don't let anybody trick you into believing something that's not true before the end time before the end comes some people are going to be deceived and people are going to fall away from the faith they're going to reject christianity reject the lord you know a falling away means that they were in my opinion believers at one point to begin with yeah so And we see a lot of that today, you know? Yeah, don't be tricked by doctrines of demons, right? Yeah, exactly. And Galatians 6, 7 through 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Oh, that one is so good. You know, I was like reading that and I got chills. Like I was like, ooh, (laughs) because we're talking about self. And I was like, honestly, there's sometimes I'm researching and I'm like, oh, what does the Bible say about this? And I look at it and I'm like, I didn't know that said that. Like, (laughs) I was like, wow, that's like talking about, you know, our flesh, like sowing to ourselves. Like, and then I also have James 1. 21 to 24 and it says therefore ridding ourselves of all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls but prove yourselves doers of the word and not just hearers who deceive themselves for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. And to me, that's just so relevant because, you know, if we are not actively doing the word, like doing, you know, being obedient and like reading the word and doing what God commands of us, like we'll forget who we are in Christ. At least that's my interpretation. It is so sad hearing that. Like, it is such a sad verse to me. Yeah. The people who are hearers, I mean, they heard it and, oh my goodness, to to immediately forget God. Like, you can't, I don't believe that you can truly know God and then just forget him. Yeah. 
I mean, he's I mean, so good. Think about the Israelites too, though, because they yeah. got what God did over and over again. So it's not like what's happening today is anything new. No, I mean, but that's why we're supposed to be in the word. That's yeah. why we're supposed to be talking about him all the time. That's why we're supposed to have our testimonies and do what you and I do. Let's, mm-hmm. let's sit and talk Jesus, you know, Yeah. because that's us making sure that we don't forget. Yes. So, I mean, the fact that churches are using this is beyond me. Mm-hmm. The church ought to be a place of purity, not a place of deception. That, out of all the places, should be a place that cares about what they are allowing and bringing in. Check out these things. Yeah. Look at the history and who people are. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Dave Ramsey promotes the Enneagram. You can find books on it in the Bethel Store website. Suzanne Stabile and Jen Hatmaker both promote it. I think Suzanne Stabile teaches it at yeah. Richard Rohr's um, oh, yeah, her Institute. Yeah. He, she was actually taught by Richard Rohr. Yeah. Lisa Bevere, Lisa Turkhurst, Andy Stanley, Craig Gruchel, Louis Giglio. These are some widely known and listened to people. I mean, this is being promoted and taught from the pulpit. Do I believe they could just not know? Absolutely. But it doesn't make, it does make me question like how well they look into the things they promote or wonder if they care about the origins because I've seen so many people excuse it and say that you can't, oh yeah, that's the origins, but. But we're going to make it holy. Yeah, that's not how I use it it's the same thing (laughs) yeah I mean I can find people promoting this that and it's totally unbiblical I I took the Myers-Briggs test myself and I know a lot of people who have I looked into it a bit but I didn't get super far into it Um, I'm not condemning anybody I just really want people to know that this is not what so many people say it is. And I hope people actually look into the history and see the the lineage of it. You know, I think at the very least churches need to think about how they may stumble a brother or sister in Christ with this. It's so new age. Mm -hmm. You have to think, are you calling people back to numerology, astrology, tarot cards, and psychic readings? I know it sounds weird, to some people but this is where its origins are from and these people who are coming out of the new age they look at this and they know what it is yeah like new age people who became believers coming out of the new age speaking out against the church and what they're teaching yeah yeah to some this sounds stupid but it can be a huge problem please please think about if you're stumbling somebody else by this yes that should be a big enough thing for you to walk away. Yeah. And I mean, I totally agree because pastors are having, like I said, whole sermon series on enneotypes. And I mean, that is just ridiculous. And all we have to do is just care enough to look into these things. I mean, I understand that sometimes people just don't want to know, like I've been there before in the past, but now I want to know like all things, like I know better now, (laughs) but we must look into things like many of the pastors and teachers you mentioned, I've always questioned because they're not really people I I have ever really listened to. 
And it doesn't surprise me. Like if you look at their wonky theology, it's not surprising. Um, and we cannot reclaim, you know, quote, reclaim something that was never holy to begin with. And then one of the many issues I feel like I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, why don't you care? <laughs> it's like we're to be like completely set apart with not even a toe in the world. Like, are we perfect? Absolutely not. But to me, it just seems like lazy pastoring or being a lazy Christian and like from these pastors trying to please the world and get butts in the pews. And I mean, I am not talking about pastors who may not know, but honestly, they should know enough about something to present it to their congregations. And there's just no excuse. Like if you're a pastor, you were a shepherd. I mean, dude, that's just not okay. <laughs> I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Well, the pastors are definitely held to a higher standard yes. as they absolutely should be yeah. because People listen to them and look to them to know what they're talking about. Yes. I know for me, just doing this podcast is heavy for me mm -hmm. because I know I need to make sure that I'm speaking truth and rightly using God's word. It's a weight on my heart for sure. Yes. Sometimes I think often about it, like making sure that I'm diligently doing my research and using verses in context. Yes. I believe that we'll be held to a higher standard because we're speaking to an open audience. Mm -hmm. It can't just be an opinion. Yeah. I have heard people say you can't throw it out simply because of its or origins, but with this, you can. Yeah. If this is supposed to be a psychological and spiritual test tool and it has no basis coming from the word, nor does it have any credible credentials in psychology, then that alone is a basis to throw it out. Yeah. The Enneagram Institute is a new age institute also. Mm -hmm. So to say that there's any credibility in what they say is just wrong because they are completely biased. Yeah. And the origins are from the occult and we should definitely throw it out. I mean, and I love how earlier you said, I will gladly throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> Because that's something, that is something people say way too much. It's like, well, don't throw the baby. It's like, okay, if, if a part of it is false, like you said, it's so exhausting having to weed through what someone says to find the truth. Like throw them out completely. Like why would you, like what Leah always told you, you know, you always tell me, like, why are you even listening to them? <laughs> because like, even for research purposes, it's just like, I can't really listen that much anymore because it's just too confusing and it's all over the place. And we aren't supposed to keep any of it if it dis you know, dishonors the Lord. And Leah and I have talked about how the holiness of God has been cast to the wayside way too much in these days. Like it shouldn't be at all. But in my opinion, it's just way like out of control. And we have to remember that God is all things at all times in his character. And he doesn't go outside his character. I, don't, I do not see God saying, well... It may be from the occult and dishonor me, but it's okay. Redeem it for me. Like, I don't see God telling anybody that. Proverbs 13, 5 through 6 says, A righteous man hates falsehood, but a wicked man acts disgustingly and shamefully. Righteousness guards the one whose way is blameless, but wickedness subverts the sinner. That's something to strive for. So in conclusion, I just want to say we love you guys. I really pray that you hear whatever it is God needs you to hear today and that he uses this for his glory. 
I just want truth to be spoken and people to get out and do some research on it. I'm horrified by the connections that I'm making between all of the different ideologies out there. The only one that is true and truly different is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Every other thing looks to self. It's all a way to take the focus off of God. As long as your focus is on yourself or false gods, you know, little G, which are demons, then you aren't focusing on the one thing we are called to. And that is the one true living God, Yahweh. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my word. The Bible says that we are to meditate on God's word, that we are to talk about it all the time, and that we are to be in fellowship with others who love God's word. We are to be heavenly minded, and that takes the focus in, off of us and puts it on God. Our focus should not stay on ourselves. My personality is something that should not be my focus, and I should find it in God, not in the world. Mm-hmm. God will use it and shape it and form it, but I can hinder his molding mm-hmm. if I'm stuck on this. This is who I am, and that's why I do A, B, or C. Mm-hmm. Find who you are through who God says who you are, yeah. not through who the world says you are. I'm so glad that my hope is found in the Lord and that I'm not all the things the world tells me I am. I am not who the world says I am. And I love that. It's yes. just wonderful. My identity is found in Christ. It really makes me think of a self-help book written by demons. Mm-hmm. Like seriously, it's a self-help tool made by demons. Yeah. Why would we listen to it? And yeah, I love your heart and you are so right because Jesus does stand out amongst all the other stuff out there because right now everyone's doing the same thing, but Jesus sticks out like a sore thumb, like, Hey, you know, Christianity, Hey, you're that God shaped hole over here, (laughs) you know, and it's not hurtful to share the truth on something that so many people are adopting as Christian when it is not. And like Leah said, our identity is not in the world or some, you know, test that the world has created. It is founded in Christ Jesus and brothers and sisters guard your hearts. Like you are saved by God's grace, the precious gift of salvation and the creator who created everything saved you. Why would you seek out the things man has to offer, especially like now that you know what the origins are. And Psalm 16, eight says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. And with that, Leah, can you close us in prayer? I can do that. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for who you are and how you work in me. I'm so glad that I am yours and my purpose can be found in you. Please help us all to look to you for our answers, Lord. Help us to search your word to see who we are supposed to be and conform to that and not what others tell us we are. Help our identity to be found in you, Lord. Help give us all a hunger for truth. Help us all to look to you as our plumb line, our guidance system, our way to understand the world around us and our own flawed selves. Please open the eyes of the people who want truth. Give them wisdom and understanding that they may know that you are that they may know you more fully and be swayed by you and not our culture. I love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen.